I had very little experience with kayaking or canoeing for most of my life. However, the summer after I graduated from high school, it became a bit of an obsession. Every week, or every other week, I would go kayaking into the Wakaiva River near my home. I went on a vacation to the Gulf Coast that summer and found myself kayaking in Lover's Key State Park. It is a series of barrier islands crisscrossed with saltwater kayaking pathways. I took off on my own for five miles. I was nervous as all of the water here was connected to the actual ocean. I had never kayaked or boated anywhere near the ocean and the idea of what may be out there terrified me. I'd been gone for nearly an hour and passed by a split in the islands. I could see now the Gulf of Mexico and what's out there? Something with tentacles, probably. I paddled a little further and a little harder when suddenly something passed below me. It was huge, the size of my kayak. It moved slowly, then went deeper below the surface, and I didn't see it again. It was gray, and it was massive, and I couldn't quite believe what I had seen. Over 500 years ago, when European explorers were setting out to find their supposed new world, many of them were seeing the animals of North America for the very first time. Though many would catalog as best as they could, some, perhaps as a way to make our continent sound more mystical and otherworldly, would describe creatures they saw akin to actual mythical creatures. In January 1493, Christopher Columbus, who famously didn't discover much and mostly just killed lots of indigenous persons, misidentified a creature near the Dominican Republic. He saw three large creatures like the one I had seen and determined that they were mermaids. He added that these creatures were, quote, not half as beautiful as they are painted, unquote. Though we can't know for sure, many historians believe that most sightings from early sailors of mermaids and sirens were actually not beautiful half-human creatures sent to lure you to the sea. They were, instead, manatees. Gray and bulbous with a horizontal tail, manatees have been dazzling sailors for centuries. I count myself one of them as my panic fell after noticing the gray flap of its tail, its oblong body, and the slow speed with which it bubbled below my rented kayak. That was the first time I had seen a manatee in the wild, or at least the first time I could remember, and the first time I ever considered them to actually be wild animals and not conceptual creatures you only see in zoos. But, lucky for me, that was not the last time I saw the manatee in the wild. Not even close. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian Podcast. This week, the sea cow of Florida, her relatives, and the amazing people working to keep these animals safe. It seems foolish to talk about the cold in Florida sometimes, but it gets worse when you consider that I have friends who literally can't go outside for five minutes right now or they'll risk getting frostbite. Regardless, a morning in the early 40s in Florida can feel like a burden to bear, but if you know where to go, that weather grants you access to something really special. Such was the case this past weekend when Robin, my girlfriend, and I decided to take a short trip just northeast of Orlando to Blue Springs State Park. Blue Spring State Park is just outside of Orange City in Volusia County. It pumps out over 100 cubic feet of fresh water every second, making it what is called a first magnitude spring, of which there are 33 in Florida alone. That's 33 out of over 700 springs currently known on the peninsula. Blue Spring is known for its warm waters, which brought business to its shores a century and a half ago. Lewis Thursby built a house when he came down in the mid-1800s and, of course, started growing citrus along the spring's shores. Then, 
Of course, as with all citrus in Florida, the freezes in the 1890s ended this prospect for the Thursby family. They started taking their magnificent land along the spring and using it for a larger purpose, tourism. Steamboats traveling along the St. Johns River could stop in and experience the warm, perpetually 72-degree Fahrenheit weather. It remained privately owned until 1972. That was the year that major environmental litigation was being put into place at the federal level, notably the Federal Marine Mammal Protection Act and the Endangered Species Act. That year, the Blue Spring National Park was taken by the state government in order to protect the creature most famous for populating the spring, the West Indian manatee. The current population estimate of West Indian manatees sits at 13,000. Nearly half of that population is in Florida alone. And on this past Saturday, state park rangers estimated that 300 of them were in Blue Springs State Park. When Robin and I arrived at the park at 7.50, just 10 minutes before the park opened, we joined a line of maybe 20 cars that were also seeking out the friendly mammal. It was bitter cold for Florida, and while that may be bad news for some Floridians, it's even worse for the manatees. Though their bodies may appear to be largely made of fat, they actually have very little in their large forms. This makes them susceptible to cold water, and if the water is below 68 degrees Fahrenheit, the animals may not survive for long. So in our rare cold moments that can occasionally get down as low as freezing, what are the manatees to do? Well, they flock to the warm springs, and they flock in huge numbers. On the day of recording this, there was about 500 manatees in Blue Springs State Park. With Blue Springs perpetually warm water, the manatees have a safe haven and one that is made special for them. There is no doubt, Blue Springs State Park has one genuine purpose, and it is the protection, education, and research of Florida manatees. We got really lucky that morning. Not only were there manatees, there were dozens of people lined up along the docks at 8 in the morning. There were also tents being set up and a massive inflatable manatee squatting in the middle of a field. Beyond the onlookers like ourselves, there were people seeming to prepare a festival. By sheer luck, we had arrived to hang out with the 300 manatees on the same day as the annual Blue Spring Manatee Festival. Booths from Florida State Parks, Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, Save the Manatee Club, and more were setting up games, merch tables, information stations, and more. One table had manatee bones sitting on it that kids were handling and examining. A man who had written a series of kids' books about a friendly manatee was signing and selling books in the gear store. A researcher drifted down the quiet spring water, taking notes on the manatees below, some with buoys attached loosely to their tails. One researcher told us that these are satellite trackers that are used to track specific manatees. Don't worry, she adds, they're loose and they can slip off if they get snagged to something. I wasn't worried. You've never seen a more passionate group of people about an animal as simple and harmless as these manatees. You've also never seen bluer water. It was moving in an odd balance between the outward flow of the spring and the steady inward motion of the connected St. John's River. The manatees floated low below the surface, occasionally drifting upward to push their snouts out of the water in order to breathe. The older, larger manatees sat calmly on the sand, while the babies had much more energy. They would flip, bump into each other, push under the older manatees in order to move them, and generally induce squeals from the overjoyed visitors. Manatees are called sea cows due to their slow demeanor and bulbous physique, but the younger manatees defied any stereotype there could be. They were swirling, energetic little clouds, and stepping away from the viewing platform almost felt criminal. They were right there. How could you even look away? 
We did, however, manage to step away. The friendly faces that the booths were handing out pamphlets and gear to kids and their parents. They were eager as well for an older face like myself to be ready to learn, and several booths gave me more information than I could have dreamed of. The most excited and informative booth were the two older folks working the Save the Manatee Club booth. If you haven't heard of Save the Manatee Club, that's just because you didn't know their name. They have adoption opportunities, so someone can give money and then have a specific manatee that is their adopted animal. They can track their animal, watch their location using satellites, and visit them when they know where they are. The researchers on the water today were from the club itself. That's where donations to the club go, according to their site. Quote, sponsoring research, rescue, rehabilitation, and release efforts, unquote, as well as education, advocacy missions, and even sometimes legal action. The Save the Manatee Club is one of those rare organizations that is exactly what it says it is. No more, no less. They want to protect this creature, keep them safe, install legal regulations, and anything else in order to sustain and increase their population. They've been at it since 1981 when then-Governor Bob Graham teamed with a famous Floridian figure in order to establish this group. I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, I'm Jimmy Buffett. Save the Manatee Club has helped to protect imperiled manatees and their aquatic habitat for decades, but there's still more work to be done. Threats from cold weather, red tides, pollution, and boat collisions continue to take their toll on the manatees. So let's work together to safeguard the manatees and the places they call home. Be the friend they need. Visit SaveTheManatee.org. Thank you. That's right. Jimmy Buffett is a founding member of the Save the Manatee Club and still to this day serves on its board of directors. He himself has several manatees that he is the adoptee of, and those manatees are denoted inside of a large binder that the club members showed to me. One such manatee up for adoption was named Gator. Gator the Manatee. He received this unique name due to his unusual actions he took as a young manatee. The excited man working the Save the Manatee booth laughed through every word of this story, and his delight was incredibly endearing. Apparently, when Gator was just a juvenile, he encountered an actual alligator floating nearby. The young sea cow had not seen such a creature before and began pursuing him, going so far as apparently nibbling on the creature's tail. I've watched this video, and let me just say, Gator is bold. For a creature that can't even survive in temperatures below 68 degrees, his survival instinct was not really in high gear. Luckily for him though, alligators don't eat manatee. But the story is enough. Gator will forever be known for one brave act that none of us could even imagine doing. Besides this tall tale, Gator also has a very defining characteristic, a physical one. He has a huge gash that runs diagonal on his back, followed by three massive, hand-sized, teardrop cuts along his back. This comes after two different propeller accidents that managed to hit Gator in the exact same spot. Two different encounters. The scars are made up of a solid white tissue, which means that they have healed over. The researchers nearby informed everyone that if you ever saw a manatee with pink or red wounds, you should call Florida Park Rangers or the FWC immediately. If you see white scar tissue, that means that the wound has healed. Looking around at the hundreds of manatees coasting slowly through these waters, it's rare to see manatees without at least one white cut on their back, tail, or flippers. Even some of the newborn calves have small cuts or slightly mangled tails. We're lucky to have them, cuts and all, but there was a time where even a population of this size was not so certain. 
I'm sure it comes as no surprise when I tell you that the manatee's endangered status comes exclusively from human impact. Manatees, despite being essentially just slow-moving balls of meat, have no natural predators. There are three species of manatees, West African, Amazonian, and West Indian, the type that floats in Florida waterways. All of these are on the conservation status scale at vulnerable, but some sources say that their overall populations are decreasing, possibly moving them back toward the endangered status. This is entirely because of human actions. Because manatees require warmer water, they are seriously threatened when climate change induces massive cold snaps. Nearly a decade ago, almost 300 manatees died exclusively from cold weather. Defenders of Wildlife, a nonprofit focused on the protection of North American species, shares that, quote, two-thirds of the manatee population relies on the warm water outfalls at electrical power plants, unquote. Without natural springs, thanks to developers, manatees are facing desperate circumstances. And does it surprise you to know that a large problem for manatees are also just direct human confrontations? Not just industry and development, but actual humans jumping into springs, harassing them, climbing on them, making them afraid of their natural habitats. Does it surprise you to know that last year saw 554 dead manatees, an all-time high caused by the horrific blue-green algae bloom that swept around our state? Does it surprise you to know that 2016 and 2017 both saw 106 manatees dead from boat strikes, which is an all-time high for the state, two years in a row? These animals are technically not in the endangered classification, but if current trends persist, there is almost no doubt that they will return to that status in no time. It shows that manatees somehow reflect the very best and the very worst that humanity can offer. Sometimes you get cruel people leaping out of boats and offshore simply to harass animals that harm no one and only seek to eat grass in order to keep rivers healthy. But on most days, and especially in the winters, there are people like the ones we saw on Saturday. Not just the park rangers and the club members and the researchers seeking to educate visitors, no. Most days, you'll find people like the hundreds who fill the park to capacity on cold days in order to catch a glimpse of our manatees. It's a trend. They almost always fill the park to capacity. Whether it's because of reverence or because that's part of our identity as Floridians or because we hold a subconscious fear that they won't always be there, I don't know. But the manatees always come to the springs. And the good people always follow soon after. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian podcast. This topic was requested for months, and I'm so excited that I finally got to tell it. If you have a topic you are dying to hear on this show, you can reach me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at wait5minutespodcast. There will be a link in the description below. I post pictures, ask for suggestions, and share my adventures on there. Do not miss out on that. I don't always do this, but another link in the description will be to the Save the Manatee Club. They really are a wonderful organization with incredibly passionate employees, and they always need support. Even if you're just interested in learning more about the animal and seeing what they're up to or checking out their live cams, that's helping. Education can be just as critical as donations. 
All the music used in this episode comes from Lobo Loco. You can find the titles of the songs in the description below. Additionally, you can check out the sources that I used in the research below as well. Don't forget that this Tuesday will be our next edition of Tallahassee Tuesday. It's a quick five minute breakdown on the recent actions of our governor, Ron DeSantis. You can expect that every first and third Tuesday of each month. Thank you again so much for listening. It really means a lot. If you haven't already, please leave a comment or review on the show. It, it really helps other people find it and it makes me feel very happy. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back on Tuesday and then a new regular episode Friday. Until then, be kind to yourselves, be kind to each other, drink more water, and once more for good measure, be kind to yourself. Have a great weekend.